All right, y'all give me a little something. What y'all been gleaning and working with in the your Psalms reading? I know you got something, boo. Share it with us now. Yeah, that, that psalm reminds me of uh, that we're all worship leaders, in essence. And we all, when I say by worship leaders, we're always inviting others to join us in a blessing of the Lord. Yeah. And it also helps me to recognize that the best person in the world to preach to is ourself. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. He's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who has forgiven us of all our iniquity, who has healed us of all our diseases, who's redeemed us from a path of destruction, who has crowned us with his loving kindness and satisfies our mouth like the, the, the eagles. He renews our strength like uh, a young eagle who's eaten on meat and, he, and he's able to soar. And, and as you just reminded himself, y'all know I've used this before, I don't even have them with me, but about forgetting. How do we forget? We mislay things. Janet, you're notorious about mislaying your keys, right? Yeah, yeah. Now you got that automatic, and you just keep it in there, wherever you are, your purse is at, and, and it works. Yeah. Well, we we all do at times. Mama Rob, you misplace your keys from time to time. It's not that you forget your keys; you just mislaid your keys. You put them in a spot that you normally wouldn't put them, and when you needed them, you went to go find them where they may normally be, but they wasn't there because you misplaced them. You mislaid them somewhere. And normally when you mislay them somewhere, it's because you got distracted with something. I mean, you think about coming in with bags in your hand from the grocery store, and the phone rings, and you set everything down, and your keys get set down, fall into a bag, fall into the trash, fall into another drawer or something that they may not supposed to be, or say a kid was running through the house and fell and you, you just put them down quickly somewhere. You just mislaid them. And then when you went looking for them, you couldn't find them because you put them in a spot that it's normally not. You got distracted, usually with something. And, and that's what happens when we mislay what God's done for us. When we get distracted in this world with, with things, with stuff with circumstances, with problems, with, with celebrations, whatever it is, and we get our eyes off of the fact that we've been forgiven, uh, we've been mended and being healed by the Lord. That's the idea of Him healing us. It's bringing those joints that's been broken back together. What was broken, He's healing. And also to redeem us as a kinsman redeemer from potential destruction and then he crowns or clothes us with his character loving kindness his mercy and then he satisfies our mouth and renews our strengths as the eagles he feeds us and simply saying that look it's easy to get distracted in this old world and mislay the graces that god has given you 
And then all of a sudden, you, you forgot where you mislaid it. And you get off in, in life and, and trouble start coming your way. And you start doing things in your own strength, in your own power. And it just keeps taking you down a path. But if we'll do what the psalmist did, he kept reminding himself, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Don't mislay what he's done for you. Bless him. I mean, he's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's clothed you. He's satisfied you. And uh, you can't help but then keep your focus on him. And when you do, that's the beautiful benefit of it. But if you go to the end of the psalm, remember the whole psalm, he's inviting others to join him. And he even talks about how the angels praise God. They respond to the tenor of his voice. But at the close of the, the psalm, what does he say? Oh, bless the Lord. He's reminding himself again. You see, that's something that we've got to keep in mind. When you make your business of encouraging other people to bless the Lord, it's easy to neglect blessing him yourself. You can get to that place. Miss Lona's been around a while. Y'all been around a while. You've watched people that were in ministry or people in ministry, they're constantly serving others. They're constantly encouraging others to look to the Lord, to look to the Lord, to look to the Lord. And they could easily get their eyes off of him himself, even though they're encouraging everybody else to bless him. But the psalmist helps us because he reminds himself, not only am I calling everybody else to bless him, but oh my soul, you bless him as well. And that's just a healthy thing to do, to remind yourself, don't get distracted to the point, even in doing a good thing, encouraging others, you've got to remind yourself, preach to yourself to bless the Lord. And right now is the only time we had the blessing, right? Amen. Tomorrow hadn't come yet. Yesterday's far spent. Right now is the only time we have to bless the Lord. And it's impossible to bless him apart from faith from trusting him Amen. the only way to bless him is to trust him and there's there's great great value in blessing the lord currently right now amen good word and that is a great song Ten Thousand reasons real good so almost I, I was so i've been downloading some songs to my phone i hadn't done that i ain't never done that but i've been putting because i've i've won songs that i like really like and then songs that i can use to tie in with some of the things that i'm sharing and i, I downloaded um two of them from Ren collective one called the cost that he's weighed the cost and what a great message that is and he says in in, in that song uh, the cost is that one, Jesus is worth it, no doubt about it. And he says this, that I need you more than I need safety. He doesn't say it that way. He says, I don't need safety as much as I need you. You see, we're looking, and from the humanistic standpoint, we're looking for safe things, places of safety, places of comfort, but when you weigh the cost, you recognize that safety is not as important to me as his presence. But it's in his presence I am the safest I'll ever be. And if you get those priorities out of order, what you'll do is that you won't risk everything for him because 
you're judging it from a safety standpoint. Well, uh, this I, I need his safety through this. And, and you're looking at being safe more than you are being sacrificial for him. And, and they make a great point in there is I do not need safety as much as I need you. And he also says in the line in there that they're not afraid to die for Jesus because all real love is not afraid to bleed. You know, when you love something and love someone, you'll, you'll bleed for it. You'll suffer for it. And it's just a, it's just a great word. And, um, but I, I also, they got one called simplicity that is really good. And then they have that 10,000 reasons. And I knew I should have downloaded it. We could play it tonight. But, uh, yeah, all good. Anybody else seen anything? Something you want to give away? You know what the benefit of that is when you bless the Lord? And the only way to bless Him is by trusting Him by faith now. You know what God does for us when we bless Him? When we trust Him, take Him at His word? God does something. He plants something within us. He plants or sows in us gladness. 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 Look at Psalm 97, 11. 97, 11. You can be righteous, but not be upright. We talked about that before. Positionally, I'm righteous, but it doesn't mean that I'm upright to be upright means you're blessing the lord means you're you're operating in trust and faith and his confidence you're in his will you in the nest with him you under his wing right now in psalm 97 11 what does it say light is sown planted for the righteous and gladness for who the upright in heart and to be upright means that I am in right standing. I am straight with God. I'm right with Him right now, which is only simply the just or the righteous shall live by faith. It's living by faith. What does Isaiah 26, 3 say, Miss Alona? Because He trusts in you. A man that trusts in God will be kept in perfect peace by God. He doesn't keep himself in perfect peace. And what we see with a wholeness, with a completeness, with a soundness of what peace brings is, is also what comes with that are several things, gladness. And you see, gladness is that bedrock soil, that contentment, the fruit of contentment grows out of. And you're not going to be content if you're not glad-hearted. It's impossible to be content, satisfied, and where you at in the Lord and not be glad-hearted. Go over to Psalm, Psalm 4, Psalm 4, verse 7. Notice what David says. Psalm 4, 7. This blesses me. And all these things kind of fit together. Psalm 4, 7, David recognized. He's not asking. He recognized. Keep in mind, he recognized that God put, God put something. He sowed something in his heart. What did he put in his heart? God put gladness in his heart. Why? 
He trusted him. He was living by faith. He was blessing the Lord. And what God did was he put gladness in his heart and he compared it to even when a great harvest of wheat and wine, a great bonus. You know, anybody gets excited when a big bonus comes in or when a big harvest comes in, something significant comes in. That makes people glad based on a circumstance. But David is not basing his situation on a circumstance and it wasn't something necessarily he asked for. He recognized that God had sown. He planted the seed of gladness where? In his heart. Why? Because the man trusted God. And God gave him a glad heart. And what, a, what, what comes from a glad heart is a content life. A content spirit. And con, man, contentment with godliness is great gain, the Scriptures teach us. Contentment with godliness is great gain. And you, cannot, you, you, you can't be in a better place than having glad heart, contentment, and peace simply because you're taking God at His Word. You know that He, he knows what is best, so you're trusting Him with what He knows is best. Now, just the opposite is found in our last couple of days reading as well. Look in Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Just the opposite. It's one thing when God puts or sows gladness in you. It's another thing when God sends a bad spirit your way. A discontentment, an unsatisfaction. Psalm 106, verse 15. What does it say? You gave them the request or the desires of their heart, but you sent with it, what did he send? A leanness, a wantonness. You see, a leanness of soul is a discontented soul. You sent leanness. Not put gladness, but what? A discontentment. The opposite of a glad heart, that is an unhappy heart. Even though he gave them what they asked for. You see, but what they asked for was not what God intended to give them. They felt like they knew best. They felt like they deserved. They felt like they couldn't survive without. So they requested and kept asking. So God gave, but when He gave it to them, what they thought they needed and wanted didn't satisfy. You ever been there before? Man, if I could only have this, if I could only have that, if I could only have this person in my life or that in my life or have this or have that, if I can have this amount of money, if I can have this kind of house, if I can have this kind of job, be around this kind of people, if I can have this kind of hairdo or these kind of shoes or this kind of gun or this kind of boat or this kind of hunting lease or this kind of trip. There's times when God gives us exactly what we were asking for, but we're so discontented when it comes. Are you with me? That's the difference between... God 
putting gladness in us and God sending an unhappy spirit, a dissatisfaction. And I want to tell you, I, I think that we see that a lot. That's why a lot of people are so disturbed in their spirits is that they, man, when they got everything under the sun, but they've got everything under the sun without him. And as a result, they're so discontented. I see it with, with teachers and preachers who say, well, if I had this kind of church or if I was in a bigger church and if I had this, and no matter what stage they go through, they're always looking for the next stage. And they're always discontent. There, there is a treasure and a value of being content with where you are in life and what God's given you. Not that you, you become lazy, not that you become um, unuseful. It is the fact that he's put gladness in you. And a glad-hearted person is a happy person. And a glad-hearted, happy person that's content is a person that is usable, a person that blesses people, a person that is eager to bless people. They can't help but bless people. Why? Because they're blessing the Lord themselves. And they simply live in by faith. Amen? Amen. Man, what a difference it, it makes. So... I think Psalm 97 and 11 helps us understand why God put gladness in David's heart and why he sent leanness upon the soul of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. Remember, God had fed them manna and God had given them water. God met every need they have, was even going to do more for them. They had no idea what he was going to do for them. He was bringing them on into a, a land of abundance, giving them things they didn't labor for. A land flowing with milk and honey. That's where he was taking them. But they couldn't see past where they were at. And all they kept looking back on what they had at one time. And couldn't see where he was bringing them in faith. And remember, faith is seeing and agreeing with what God sees. Not everything, but enough of what he sees. If they had been walking by faith, they would have been content in the manna. They would have been content with what God had given and he would have met their needs more abundant than they ever imagined, but they were discontented with it and therefore unsatisfied with everything that he brought their way. Even the quail, when they kept asking for it. Scripture says he sent a curse among them. People died over it. People suffered over it. And uh, so, man, that, that reminds me back to that Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, Nick, with all that's in you. Bless his holy name. And don't lay aside. Don't misplace what he's done for you. Because if you'll bless him, and the only time you had to bless him is right now, and the only means you have to bless him with is, is trusting him, God's going to put a gladness in you, a contentment he's going to give you, and he's going to help you, and you're going to be a blessing to other people. Amen. That cheerfulness. That's what he, Psalm 97 tells us that, doesn't it? Yes, right. Psalm 97, 11 and 12, or it doesn't stop at 12 or 11. It says that the remembrance of his holy name, give thanks, right? <laughs> give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So yeah, a contented heart, Mama Rob, a glad heart is also going to be a thankful heart. And Thanking God for everything is 
the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. And I think Psalm 111, look in Psalm 111, I think it answers a lot of these things we're talking about as well. It's just one of those that we see these three Psalms in a row, 111, 112, and 113. They all start off with a shout out of uh, exclamation of just saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The psalmist says in 111, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart, with all that I am. Y'all remember a couple of Psalms ago, David asked or the psalmist asked if God would unite his heart that he might praise him. You see, a, a united heart is the opposite of a fragmented heart. A heart that's torn in many directions is not a united or a whole heart that can give its adoration to God. No different than what the New Testament says about uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat and where you're going to sleep and all these things. God knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things will be added to you. Because he said being anxious and worry and fear is a divided heart. It's pulling your mind apart. And a fragmented heart is a heart that is distracted with many things that mislays what God has done for us. So the psalmist said, Unite my heart that I might fear you and declare your praise. Well, here he says, I'm going to praise you with the whole heart in the assembly, in the gathering of the upright, but also in the congregation. Uh, two different pictures here. Those who gather together under the counsel of the upright. Not only will I praise you among the upright, those who are blessing you now by faith, but I'm going to praise you among everybody else. Those that are not and those that are among the congregation. And then he says in verse number two, the works of the Lord are great, studied by all those who have pleasure in them. You know why people don't study the works of the Lord? It's simple. They don't have pleasure in them. They don't delight in them. You know how hard it is to pull a kid off of a playground? Why? They enjoy themselves when they're out there playing. I mean, it's extremely difficult to pull them off of a playground when they're out there having fun and you tell them it's time to go in. They're asking you to swing one more time. Let me go one more time down the sled. Let me do, because they, they have pleasure in, in playing out there. That's a pleasure for them and it's hard to pull them out of it. Well, the same thing applies to those who seek out to study the things of God. The reason they do is they have pleasure in them. They delight in it. You don't have to make a man that pleasures in studying the things of God. You don't have to make him study. I mean, it's just, he's gonna. He's gonna seek. He's gonna find out. The works of the Lord are great studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be what? Remembered. Verse number four. 
I wrote down a few questions that I'll ask each of you tonight. Have you ever considered why is it that some people study the wondrous works of God? Why do they do it? Scripture's pretty clear on it. They have pleasure in it. Why somebody won't do it is they don't have pleasure in it. Here's another question. Have you ever asked why some have a really good understanding of God's way? Well, this psalm answers that for us. Look, if you would, in verse number 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments, and His praise endures forever. You see, it's in the application of walking out by faith. That faithfulness that is produced by faith is how we get a good understanding. And we've got to ask, how is it that some people have such a good understanding in the Word of God? Well, because they put the Word of God to work. They, they trust it and operate in it. Matter of fact, he even says it here in verse number 7, the works of His hands are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and they are done in truth and what? Uprightness. See, you can't accidentally obey God. You can't obey Him on your own terms. You obey and walk in the precepts of God in truth and uprightness. That is, that's by faith. So those that are living by faith are those that are faithful, and those that are faithful... God, Miss Alona, gives them a great understanding of His ways. Because I hear it all the time when I'm out and about in places and I talk, but I just can't understand the Word of God. I can't remember the Word of God. It's hard for me to study the Word of God. Well, Psalm 111 answers all those dilemmas and the fact that if it's hard for you to study, yes, you're not going to know every ounce in detail. There's a lot that we're not going to know. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that I don't know. But I want to tell you, His Word is a pleasure to me. And therefore, I keep my nose in it. And I keep seeking Him. And when I walk out what He's given me, He then gives me great understanding of how to walk in His ways and see things that I couldn't see naturally. Another question, have you ever thought about why some people remember the truths and testimonies of God's faithfulness and word better than others? Well, the scripture says he's made his wonderful works to be remembered. And if you pleasure in them and you study them more, God's made them in such a way that you can remember them. Amen. Amen. Have you ever really thought why some people find much delight in gathering with other people who rejoice in celebrating the goodness and the grace of the Lord? I think he answers that too when he says in verse number one, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with partial of my heart. Is that what he said? With half of my heart. No, but I'll praise the Lord with what? My whole heart, all of my heart in the assembly of the upright and the congregation. You know what that's saying? Where people gather. That also gather to what? Praise and, and lift up their voices in adoration to the Lord. People who come to study His wondrous works because they have pleasure in them. So that's why 
people gather? Have you ever stopped long enough to notice why those who give place and priority to God have solutions for life's problems? Well, verse 10 answers that for us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Remember, the fear of God is the what? Give place and priority to him and what is wisdom wisdom is to know how to take the next step with god it's know-how to walk with him it's solutions for tests and troubles and trials and problems because god has the solutions for everything every problem we face god's got a solution for it i just got to know who has the solution and when i'm given priority and place to him i know he has the solution and what's the solution his wisdom and god gives us his wisdom have you ever pondered why some rest their entire being upon jesus and trust what he says well verse 7 again says what the works of his hands are verity and justice all his precepts are what you can count on them they sure these are some things I, I wrote down this morning when I was going through it that I was going to share later on and just ask some of these questions to some others. I, I'm, I'm just using it with y'all. I think y'all understand these things already. But there's a lot of folks that, that God's opened some doors with us that are not in this position and they wonder, why, why is it that I don't care to study the Word of God that much? Why is it that I don't have solution, God's solutions for life? Why is it that I can't remember God's Word? Why is it that I don't understand Him or how He works? Well, Psalm 111, I'm telling you, it answers all that. It's, it's, it gives us the answers to those things. So, the final question that I had written down for to share with them, have you ever meditated upon the reasons that are the complete opposite to each of the previous questions above is seen in others' life, what I just referred to. They don't have pleasure. They don't remember. They don't have understanding. It goes back to the fact that uh, they're not seeking Him. They're not studying Him. The works of the Lord to them are not great and glorious and wonderful and a treasure to Him. Compared to like a kid you know, a kid that don't want to go on a playground because he's constantly or she's constantly picked on or they hurt themselves when out there. When everybody else goes to the playground, what do they do? They stay inside. But a kid that loves being outside and being at the playground, you 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 gotta fight him to stay inside. Why? He wants to get on the he wants to get on the playset. And the same thing applies to God's word. When it's a pleasure. Nobody's gonna have to prod you nobody's gonna have to push you nobody's gonna have to drag you nobody's gonna have to beg you nobody's gonna have to plead with you to spend a little time in it it's a pleasure to you amen. and and you'll you'll get in it amen amen, amen. all right y'all give me something else seeking that truth and mercy from god is is the the thing that i'm dealing working with as i read through here right Yes. You know, and, and he talks about even his past. All the paths of the Lord are full of, of truth and mercy. 
every path, and it uses the plural. Not that there's multiple paths to God, but there are multiple paths of God, that, that God sends Brother Shannon down a path. He's gotten me down a path. That is, the path that he set us apart to walk down, every path that he's assigned, let's say it that way, is full of his truth and full of his mercy. What we need to be able to illuminate and also invite and inspire and instruct us on those paths that he's given. And uh, we need his light. We need his light and we need his we need his mercy, his loving kindness to show us that way. And David said something way back in Psalm 18, uh, these words, I kept myself from my iniquity. Think about that for a moment. I kept myself from, not iniquity, but I kept myself from my iniquity. He tells us how he did it. That is that he always set God's ways before him and that he trusted what God gave him and he walked in it. God rewarded his faith his, because we're not talking about a righteousness from David. We're talking about a righteousness which is faith that God gave him, but God rewarded him as a result. He was able to keep himself at times from his own iniquity, which helps us recognize that here's a man after God's own heart still had a, a heart, still what was in him was still full of iniquity. And iniquity's wickedness that was in him, his thought process. And that's saying that those thoughts and that wickedness manifested itself within him, but he chose to go God's way rather than the fuel and feed his own iniquity. And therefore God helped him and strengthened him in that which helps us realize, remember, we don't have to finish what the flesh starts. The flesh is always starting wicked stuff in us. But we don't have to finish it by the power of God's Spirit and the understanding of His truth. We can keep ourselves from our iniquity. There's times where we fail in that, and God's grace and mercy covers us and picks us back up and puts us back on the path again. But there's a triumph and a victory in the righteousness of God when we're able to recognize that there is still wickedness that rises up within me, that is, that is, it, it doesn't, it's not got me corrupted. I am corrupt. But when I act on that iniquity, it condemns me. But when I, when I suppress it and take every thought captive and I trust God's way, the truth sets me free to walk in it and not have to fulfill the, the, the iniquity that was in me. Amen. And, and what a blessing. Amen. Amen. Because it, the, it's, it's easy to, to down yourself when you have wicked thoughts, ungodly thoughts, whether it be who you think you are, who you say you are, or, or however it is manifested. Anything contrary to God's ways is, is ungodly and wicked. And no matter how you beat yourself up over it, you don't have to dwell on it. Remember, you set God's ways before you. And you trust in Him, not in your own strength. And what He does, He frees you from your own iniquity to be able to walk in His ways. Praise God for it. Amen? Because there's too many people I talk with and, and counsel with and around, they can't get past the fact that I can't be 
all that much of a solid believer if I keep having this wickedness manifest in my life within me. Well, all people that have walked this earth besides Jesus has wickedness and iniquity within them. And it's a battle that we fight and deal with. I just don't have to finish what my flesh wants to bring up. I can let the Spirit lead me. Amen? Amen. That'll, that, that'll help you. That'll, that'll set you free. That you don't have to condemn and beat yourself up over it. You just know you in of yourself without the Lord is only going to do corrupt things. But with God's help, He'll bring you through and give you and lead you in the triumph. And uh, what a blessing that is. Father, we thank you again tonight for your blessings and favor and kindness. We just ask that you'll help us with these things, that uh, some of these things that we've read tonight from your truth, some of the things that we've seen and spoken, and some of these principles that they'll just continue to strengthen us and encourage us and help us be the disciples that you've called us to be, and that we would rest all of our life, our full heart, upon you with your people and that we'll continue to seek you continue to hide away your truth within our hearts and that we would walk by faith and therefore bring you glory and praise this evening in jesus name amen love y'all y'all have a good night